You're listening to a Sunday service podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, a place where we practice a deep and authentic welcome, where we listen deeply to where love is calling us next, and a place where with humility, courage, and compassion, we act for justice in the world. To learn more, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you are listening to this worship service on a random weekday while you walk your dog or ride a bike. I think it's amazing that we're getting together in this multi-platform way now, now and later. That's pretty cool. Welcome to the First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. Welcome to a place where we agree to be playful together, where we agree to take risks, where we support each other and we challenge each other, a balance of support and challenge that allows us to grow spiritually, that allows us to take risks in the world. We care for ourselves, we care for each other in this universalist space of radical preemptive inclusion where love will not let us go. We take care of each other. We create a community of joy and liberation for all. For those of us with darker skin, for those of us living with disabilities, for those of us who are non-gender conforming and gender expansive and trans and non-binary especially, because when we center those of us who have been marginalized, we center everyone, and everyone benefits, and we do that here, and that's great. Welcome to this community. One of our new members is going to light the chalice today. His name is Ken. Here he comes. Yay, Ken! As Ken makes his way up here, I invite you to arrive. I invite you to take a moment to collect yourself. Hmm. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Let us arrive even more. Who was here before you? What did they say when they called to God? Whose name? Whose image was in their hearts when they'd exhausted their powers and fallen to their knees? What name, what sort of God has this land known? This land, the homeland of the Dakota and Ishanabi people, land that saw their forced removal, their continued resistance that endures today, land that held early residents of this place and this community, and this that, that became a synagogue, this building, and then this our church home. How does the land hold it all? The poet writes, because she wanted everyone to feel included in her prayer, she said right at the beginning, several names for the holy. Spirit, she said, holy one, mystery, God. But then, thinking these weren't enough ways of addressing that which cannot be fully addressed, she added particularities saying, spirit of life, spirit of love, ancient holy one. Mystery we will not ever know. 
gracious God, and also spirit of this earth, God of Sarah, Gaia, Val. And then, tongue loosened, she fell to naming superlatives as well. Most creative one, greatest source, closest hope, even though superlatives for the sacred seemed to her probably redundant, but then she couldn't stop. One who made the stars, she said. Although she knew technically a number of those present didn't believe the stars had been made by anyone or thing, but just luckily happened. One who is an entire ocean of compassion, she said, and no one laughed. That which has been present since before the beginning, she said, and the room was silent. Then, although she hadn't imagined it this way, others began to offer names. Peace, said one. Wind, rain, breath, said one near the back. Refuge, that which holds all. A child said water. Someone said Kuan Yin, then womb, witness, great kindness. Great eagle, eternal stillness. And then, there wasn't any need to say the things she thought would be important to say. And everyone sat hushed until someone said, Amen. Thank you, Franco. Today's story is interactive. You say yay. yay. Good job. <laughs> Once upon a time, in a town on the other side of the planet, or maybe the community right near us, or even maybe next door, a person was lonely. And they saw this gathering across the street from where they lived. And the people in that gathering looked like a club. It looked fun. They were having a good time. They were together. There was community. And this person, they decided, hey, I can do that too. I can do that better. I'm going to make the perfect club. So they said, I'm starting the perfect club. And they invited their friends. And their friends were like, wow, the perfect club. That's cool. You're inviting me to the perfect club? OK. And so they started getting together. And then, even though it was only November, it was snowing. So they decided, let's make some hot chocolate. And how did they do that? They took some water or maybe milk or other, you know, like dairy milk or maybe oat milk or, yep. And then what else? Sugar. Marshmallows, chocolate, right? Say that again. Pre-made chocolate mix, that's right. And they heated it up. They were feeling a little fancy, so maybe they put it in a blender to make it frothy. 
Served it up in mugs? Yum. Warm. Hold the mug with me. Warm. Mm. And then they started drinking, but one of them slurped their hot chocolate. And the founder said, oh no. Slurping is not polite, and it is not perfect. I'm sorry, you can't be in this club. And that was a surprise, and everyone got a little quieter. O okay, and that person left. So then they're like, well, you know, awkward silence. What should we do? Let's play some cards. Okay, okay, let's play some cards. Who can shuffle the cards? And one of the people said, I'll shuffle the cards. And so they took the cards and they started shuffling them. But then, you know that bridge part? Fail. So it was like, and then, no bridge. Bad shuffling. And the founder said, I'm sorry, we need someone who can shuffle the cards perfectly. So you can't stay either. And a couple of the people are like, I can't shuffle and do a bridge. I'm glad it wasn't my turn. Let's not tell anyone that I can't shuffle the cards. Like it's, everyone got a little bit tighter. Show me tighter. And then they're like, well, let's just have a conversation then. Let's just talk. And they're talking and they're having opinions. And then suddenly one of the people decides to share an unpopular opinion. And the whole room got quiet. And the person knew. No one even had to say anything. That person just stood up and left. What do you think happened at this club as time went on? It got tiny. That's right, Dallas. It got tiny, tiny. What else? Not in this club there wasn't imperfections, because this was the perfect club. But you're ahead of me, because this is what happened. The founder was all alone. No one was left. And they were lonely again. And they're like, oh, I don't know what happened. I had such a good idea. This was such a perfect idea. Such a perfect club. So they decided to go for a walk to, to think about it. And they went around the block. And there, right around the corner, all of the people that they had invited were gathered. And what were they doing? They were making a club. And what were they doing in that club? They were being imperfect. They were having fun. And they did not need to be perfect. Like, for example, slurping. And what else? Shuffling cards however they want to. Yes. And what else were they doing in this imperfect club? They were having unpopular opinions. And maybe they were burping. I heard that. Yeah, that's healthy. What else? Farting. Farting. Okay, sure. What else was happening in this imperfect club? There was acceptance and laughter and joy. Yeah? Yeah. And so this person came up to the door, felt really sheepish, knocked. And then one of the people there opened the door. And they said, come in, welcome. The end. Yay. Friends, each week when we gather, we make time to center our bodies, to center our hearts, 
to center our spirits so that we can listen better to the voice within that calls us in the direction of love. So we're going to do that now. I'm going to offer some words of guided meditation so that from that space of deeper listening, we might offer up prayers for ourselves, our community, and for the wider world. So I invite you to get comfortable, to put down what you're holding. Close your eyes if that feels right. Or just let your gaze be soft. I invite you to bring your attention down to your feet. Maybe they're resting on the floor. Maybe they're dangling off the edge of the pews. Perhaps they are tucked up under you. But just bring your attention down to your feet. Breathing down into the tips of your toes. Just noticing what you notice there. And then notice what you notice in your feet. And it's fine if you don't notice anything. And bring your attention up to your ankles. Maybe roll them around a little bit if you want. Just checking in, noticing what's present. Noticing where you feel some sense of aliveness. Bringing your attention up through your legs, into your hips. Breathing deep into the softness of your belly. Feeling the breath move through your chest. Letting the breath move down your arms, into your hands, into your fingers. Letting your shoulders drop. Letting go of that weight. Noticing your head. Noticing the way the breath feels there. Maybe you're aware of the front of your face. the back of your head, the top of your head, open to the heavens. And from this place of listening, I invite you to share aloud or speak silently to yourself or share in the chat the joys and the sorrows, the gratitudes and the concerns that you would like to surround and care this morning, perhaps for yourself, for people you live with, for people in this church or people in the wider world. Let's name now all those we would like to surround in our care. For all those who have been named, for all those still held in the silent sanctuary of our hearts, we surround in love and in care. And friends, will you pray with me? Spirit of life, Spirit of love, God who we know by many names, and God who we know beyond all naming, we are grateful this morning. Grateful for this space of gathering 
grateful for the knowledge of our deep interconnection, aware that every step one of us takes toward healing is a step for us all, aware that every movement toward liberation for one of us is a movement for all. Grateful for this chance to all get free together. Help us, help us this morning to listen, to listen more deeply to the voice of love, to the voice of joy, to the right next step that our hearts are calling for, the right next movement. Help us to hold in this community, in this sanctuary, all of the things that we carry this morning, that we might hold them and know that we are all beloved. May it be so, and amen. Good morning. My name is Liz Farmer, and I am the membership coordinator here at First Universalist. True or false, strangers want to have deep conversations with you. Does this sound awkward? Perhaps thrilling? Both and? Kat Velos, author of the book on friendship, We Should Get Together, posed this question to her newsletter readers last week. She explains that in the American Psychological Association study, before these conversations, more than 1,800 participants predicted how awkward they thought the conversations would be, how connected they thought they would feel, and how much they would enjoy the, the conversation. Afterward, they rated how awkward the conversations actually were, how connected they actually felt, and how much enjoyment they actually experienced. In all cases, 
for both shallow and deep conversations, the participants' conversations went much better than they perceived they would. So if you answered true, according to the study, you are more likely to have and enjoy conversations with strangers and, I might add, acquaintances, colleagues, and family members. This past week, I had the pleasure of facilitating our Pathway to Membership class, which many of you may remember taking. During this class, new members asked earnest questions like, what does justice mean for you use? How does my annual pledge reflect my relationship with the church? How do I find my people here? Where are the artists, the ex-Catholics, <laughs> neurodivergent adults, attorneys using their legal expertise to act for justice? Well, these deep questions, they could have been met with awkwardness, but they weren't. They were welcomed. And it struck me that during a pandemic, this time of grave loneliness, isolation, and grief, the folks who have become members, who have decided to become members of First Universalist Church in the last 20 months, have shown us a great and vulnerable hope. They have acted on their perception that spiritual belonging is possible and necessary. And within this community of, to them at this point, mostly strangers, they are bringing their deep questions and they have cast their lot with First Universalist. And I have witnessed that we have been looking for them too. For the last 160 years, and for the next 160 at least, this community has held and will continue to hold it all. We in this very sanctuary and webinar are holding it as we breathe right now. So, true or false, the people around you in this sanctuary want to have deep conversations with you. True. It is worth it to be brave when reaching out and opening up to new people in your life, like, say, a thousand-member congregation, because these conversations are holy building blocks to relationship, friendship, companionship, and membership. And in that spirit, we reaffirm our membership today. Good morning, everyone. My name is Darren. I use she, they pronouns. And I am the current president of our First Universalist Church. <laughs> Thank you. You know what I love about the story that Julika shared this morning with the children? It reminds me of this church. It reminds me that we are imperfect people. And we try really, really hard, but we also make mistakes. We also do unintended harm. I know I've made mistakes this year. I know I've done unintended harm this year, and I have to apologize and fix it. I ask you to take this moment just to think through what mistakes have you done this year? What unintended harm have you done and also fixed? Part of what it means to be part of this church is to know that we are a community, that we come from nature, and that we come together to love and to care and to support one another. Because we are all humans. And we are trying to live in this world. And we know that for 160 years, people have been saying yes to placing love at the center of their lives 
and becoming members of this congregation. Today, it is our joy to invite the members of First Universalist Church to reaffirm their membership to this congregation. When you became a member of this congregation, you publicly and ritually acknowledged that we need each other, that there is more to life of the Spirit than we can even muster on our own. We need community to orient us to living with depth, honesty, and compassion. We need community to journey us through times of transition, heartbreak, and pain. We need community to keep challenging us to act, not just talk about justice, and multiply our love. We are part of something that matters because we are humans. At First Universalist, membership is not a measure of whether you are a good person or an indicator of where your soul will end up after you die. Membership at First Universalist is an affirmation that you are casting your lot with this community that is committed to living our values in the world, that welcomes, affirms, and protects the light in each human heart, that listens to where love is calling you next and acts for justice with humility, bravery, and compassion because you believe that more life and more love lies the way of living out these commitments together with other human beings. We are honored and delighted that you continue to make First Universalist your spiritual home. Will you please rise in body or spirit? Members, we are grateful that your life's journey continues here, that you have joined your life with the greater life of this faith community, that you add your light to our path. In presence of the gathered congregation, do you reaffirm your commitment to share with us the joys and responsibilities of membership? Please answer, we do. We are not now, nor have we ever been alone in this journey. In the gathered body of this congregation in this morning, I know that there are many different relationships at First Universalists, such as visitors, friends, guests, and today we bless our newest members in the 11 o'clock service. All who have come to join this church during a pandemic that is still ongoing, and some of whom will be in this building for the first time today. Members, do you bless our new members who will be joining our new member service at 11? The, <laughs> the commitment of membership that we have made, the free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and the journey of spiritual growth, dampening and action within this community. If you do, say we do. Please join me in waving and eye smiling to the folks around you as we remember and welcome this beloved community home.
Good morning. My name is Darren. I use she, they pronouns. And I am this year's board president of First Universalist. Thank you. You know what I love about this church and about the story that Julika shared this morning? It reminded me of this church. It reminded me that we are imperfect people that we try really hard, but we always know we're going to make mistakes. We're gonna do unintended harm. I know I made mistakes this year. I know I did harm. And I had to apologize and fix it. So I invite you to take this moment right now just to think about what mistakes did you make this year? What unintended harm did you do? And what did you do to fix it? Part of what makes being in this church, this church, is that we know we are a community and that we come from nature and that we come together to love and care and support each other because we are all humans and we are trying to live in this world. And we've been this way for 160 years now. People saying yes. Yes to placing love and care at the center of our lives together and becoming members of this congregation. Today, it is our joy to warmly welcome the newest members of our congregation Oh, go ahead. Let that naturally happen. Mm-hmm. I think we're trying to break out of this whole silence thing that we're so used to. That's, we can make noise. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Becoming a member of this congregation means publicly and ritually acknowledging that we need each other, that there is more to the life of the spirit than what each of us can muster on our own. We need a community to orient and orient, say that word, us towards living with depth, honesty, and compassion. We need community to journey us through times of transition, heartbreak, and deep pain. We need community to keep challenging us to do acts of justice and not just talk about justice and to multiply our love. We want, what we really want, is to be part of something that matters, has purpose, and holds our humanity, our imperfect humanity, every step of the way. At First Universalist, membership isn't the measure of whether you're a good person. Nor does it indicate where your soul will end up after you die. Membership at First Universalist is an affirmation that you are casting your lot with this community that is committed to living our values in the world, that welcomes, affirms, and protects the light in each human heart, that listens to where love is calling you next and acts for justice with humility, bravery, and compassion because you believe that more life and more love lies the way of living out these commitments together with other human beings. My name is Liz Farmer. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the membership coordinator at First Universalist Church. We are honored and delighted that you have chosen to make First Universalist your spiritual home. New members, will you please come forward? New members, we are grateful that your life's journey has brought you here and that you have decided to make a commitment to join your life with the greater life of this faith community. Please introduce yourselves. Good morning. My name is Caden Colton. I do not have any pronouns, so just use Caden in place. And 
Math brings me joy. I'm Ken Edstrom, he, him, his. Uh, what brings me joy is cooking. I'm Chris Lundy, I use he, him pronouns, and what brings me joy is being back in person. I'm Jennifer, and I use she, her pronouns, and teaching is what brings me joy. I'm Jack, I use he, they, and, you know, drip coffee from Folgers brings me joy. <laughs> Good morning, my name is Bailey, I use she, her pronouns, and fresh snow makes me happy. My name is Mark, I use he, him pronouns, kids bring me joy. I'm Robert, I use he, him pronouns. Um, I think what brings me joy is the morning when there's sunlight and it's a little cold and there's that stillness in the air. My name is Erin, I use she, her pronouns and it is an honor to be here and community brings me joy. My name is Dallas, I use she, they pronouns and animals bring me joy. Friends, when you became members of this church, you agreed to journey with us, adding your light to our path. In the presence of the gathered congregation, do you reaffirm your commitment to share with us the joys and the responsibilities of membership? If so, please answer, we do. New members, you are not now, nor will you ever be alone in this journey. You're in company of all those who have gone before us, the ancestors, and all those who are currently members, and some are elders. Respect the elders. In gathered bodies of this congregation this morning, I know there are many different relationships to First Universalists. Some of us are guests, some of us are visitors, some of us are friends, some of us are members. With those who are members, please rise in body or in spirit. And if you are with us online, please do so as well if your body feels right. Members of First Universalist Church, as you witness the new membership of these individuals, do you once again reaffirm your own membership here? If so, please say aloud or type into the chat, we do. Our newest members will be down in the social hall after the service if you'd like to meet and greet them with eye smiles and waves. And right now, balloons. Please join me in welcoming these beloved new members to this faith community. Joy is an essential part of universalism. In fact, it's essential for our lives. Joy, not perfection, is what we are reaching for in our communal life together. Let us be unapologetically heretical in our collective practice of joy. All right? Do you all remember last week? It was just last Sunday that we gathered together as a community here in this sanctuary. The first time in 20 months that all who were able and willing were welcomed back into this building and, oh my goodness, what a service we had. Were there balloons? Oh yeah, there were balloons. Some of them are still here. Were there streamers in hands and waved in the air? Yes. There were absolutely streamers. Did people who don't usually sing solos sing solos? Did one of your ministers accidentally pop a balloon inaugurating a new percussion section? Yes, on all counts. That was me. And my goodness, what a Sunday it was. You could feel it in the sanctuary. You could feel it online. We gathered joyfully. 
And in that space of joy and seriousness, and friends, joy is deadly serious business. I propose that we cannot live full human lives without it. In that space of joy and seriousness, we dug deep into the times. Dug deep into the times and their challenges, the push and the pull of this moment. We made space for all of it, took all of it in and said yes. There is reason for joy. In other words, we were deeply and truly universalist, and we were a little bit like the Muppets. Now, let me explain. I suspect that many of you have a favorite Muppets character. I've got kids, and I have to say, it saddened me a little bit that the Muppets are less a thing in their lives than they were in mine when I was growing up. I mean, Elmo is still popular because Elmo is Elmo. But beyond Elmo, the institution that I remember the Muppets being isn't, isn't what it was. But church, I suspect that you all know the Muppets, and so I invite you, if you, if you have a favorite, to shout out who your favorite Muppet is. Cookie Monster, Fozzie, yep, Ernie, Gonzo, Ralph, Animal, Animal, the Swedish, the Swedish chef. Folks, to understand why I am talking about the Muppets right now, and you should know that online there's, there's a, a very strong push for Kermit that's happening. It's not easy being green. <laughs> to understand why I'm talking about the Muppets right now, I want to share with you uh, a little text that, um, uh, this little sacred text that Lauren Wyeth shared, uh, shared with some of us last week that's really just struck me with its deep wisdom. So this is from uh, the actor and the comedian Brett Goldstein who writes, the secret of the Muppets is that they're not very good at what they do. Kermit's not a great host. Fozzie's not a great comedian. Miss Piggy's not a great singer. Like, none of them are actually very good at it, but they love it. And they're like a family, and they like putting on the show, and they have joy. And because of the joy, it doesn't matter that they're not good at it. And that's like what we should all be, Muppets. So the Muppets are basically like our imperfect club, yeah? Not very good at what they do, not perfect, not polished, sometimes their webcams get knocked off by balloons, not smooth. Human, one could say, in puppet form, save, of course, for uh, Kermit's rendition of Rainbow Connection, with, which is flawless. The Muppets are not very good at what they do, but they do it with joy. And church, I have to tell you that this little text from Brett Goldstein has been saving me this week, because you know what? I'm pretty sure that I'm a lot like the Muppets. Sometimes not very good at what I do, but trying to do it with joy. I mean, I was the guy who popped the balloon last week. And if you heard me sing, like the Muppets, we may not be very good at what we do. Or perhaps we are. It is hard to know sometimes. It's hard to know sometimes. But this is where universalism saves us. We say that love is the spirit of this church, and we've been known to say that God is love. And what I believe is that joy is at the heart of that love. Joy is at the heart of this church, the heart of this congregation, the heart of our universalist spirit that has carried us for 162 years and is still going strong. Now, I don't know what was happening that October night, the 24th, 1859, when some folks sat down at Cataract House not far from here and founded the first universalist society, which evolved through several names, including Church of the Redeemer, to become the first universalist church that we know today. I don't know what they were thinking or feeling, but I hope that in addition to their heartfelt desire to bring the saving message of universalism to the masses, 
that they were compelled not only by a desire to evangelize, but also by the simple joy at the heart of universalism. Now, before we go too far down the road to joy, this feels like a good moment to pull back and remind us all that in 1859, the universalist message was, if not an outright heresy, then at least controversial amongst Christians, which is what universalists were considered. Succinctly put, universalism is the idea that all are reconciled to God. No hell or torment in the afterlife. Ask around liberal religion today, and you will be hard-pressed to find a congregation that does not at least operationally believe in universalism. In the last 162 years, the universalists won that theological argument in the liberal wing of Christianity. But at the time of our founding, that wasn't the case. Back then, founding a universalist church made a statement. A statement that was evidenced by a newspaper article some years later that described us as the church without hells and with cushions on the pews. Not only did our ancestors reject, true, true story, true headline, not only did our ancestors reject the idea that our souls would be damned to hell, they also believed that our existence was an embodied one and we should be comfortable if only for a few hours on a Sunday morning. And if you're curious, those of you sitting in what may be cold, hard pews, the cushions are coming back. Some of you might be sitting on some of them. I sat on some of them this morning. They're pretty awesome. So some of them were delivered this, this morning. More are on the way. We are still the church where there is no hell. And soon we will again have cushions because we still believe that we live in bodies and that religion is not served at all by physical discomfort. Not if we can avoid it. In fact, if you look around this sanctuary, if you look around the building, a lot of what our renovation project did was to make space for more of our actual physical bodies here in this gathering place. All right? So let's go back to the mid-1800s. Back in 1859, founding a universalist church was a big statement. There was not yet consensus among the liberal wing of Christianity, the liberal wing that we come from, on some key elements that today we take for granted, including on the question of universalism. And that brings us back to the road to joy. See, when I dig into the heart of the universalist message, what I find, what brought me to and keeps me in universalism is joy. When you get past the arguments for universal salvation, when you get past the notion that sin isn't infinite, that we're not fundamentally flawed and can only be redeemed by winning the spiritual lottery while but doing our very best to behave, when you get to the heart of things, what you find, I believe, is a deep, robust, and frankly somewhat astonishing assertion that says that in one hand everything that exists Everything that exists is good solely because it exists. And in the other hand, says that that goodness is so remarkable that we should be jumping around giddy with delight at the sheer wonder of the miracle of life and existence. Kind of makes me think of the Muppets. Hosea Ballou, one of our universalist ancestors argued for universalism in large part because he wanted to defend our simple happiness. As Dan Harper says in his introduction to an updated and more readable treatise on atonement, and I swear to you, the document is a lot better than the title suggests. Dan says this about Baloo. He says, Baloo wants you, you, to be convinced of the truth of universal salvation because he knows that this truth will happify you. That is Baloo's term, H-A-P-P-I-F-Y. That's his common sense term for it. You will be happified 
Ballou knows that belief in hell and eternal damnation makes people unhappy. Unhappy for no reason. For no reason, because belief in hell and damnation is false belief. Once we accept the truth that God is love, says Ballou, the cause of truth wants nothing in its service but the fruits of the Spirit, which are love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That's a pretty good list. In other words, our existence is not to be lived under the shadow and threat of unknown torment for imperfection, but rather is to be enjoyed in the fullness and goodness of creation as we are, just as we are. Flowing from that truth, our joy, our love, our goodness spills forth. As our hymn says, how can we keep from singing? Just not right now, because it's a pandemic, so we're not singing. And friends, if you want another reason, if you want another reason to sing the song of joy, let me offer you this. Joy is completely counter to white supremacy culture and the systems of extraction, oppression, and exploitation that are killing us and are killing our planet. In the face of systems that would divide us, in the face of marketing and messages that tell us that we need more to feel complete, that tell us that our bodies are the wrong shape and size and color, that tell us for the low, low price of the future of the planet, we can have exactly the thing that will fix our imperfection. In the face of all of this, Joy says quite simply, no. No. Joy. The joy that our universalist ancestors held up and affirmed, that joy says, I am already a child of God, perfect exactly as I am. And even if I could use some improvement, that improvement does not come with a price tag. And church, when I look at who we have been for the last 162 years, I can see those threads of joy running through our history. I can see those threads when I look into the faces of our choir or youth in religious education. I see those threads when we show up at rallies and marches and protests side by side. I hear the joy when folks tell me about their experiences in small groups and legacy story circles. I see those threads of joy when we reaffirm our membership and welcome new members into this congregation. And I wonder, take a minute with me here. Where do you all see joy when you look at your experience of this congregation and what you know of its history? Bring that to mind. And then turn with me. Cast your hearts into the future, whatever distance seems right. What joy do you imagine waiting for us there? And how might we create it together? Members of First Universalist, those who joined today, those who have been here for decades, those who are just now wondering if it is time to make it official, and the countless ancestors at our backs holding the larger space around us, cheering us on, this is the life of faith that we invite you into. And even if sometimes we're a little awkward, even if we're not always good at everything that we try, even if we are 100% certain that the conversation we just know church is going to ask us to have with a stranger will be terminally awkward, even if we are more than a little like the Muppets, like the Muppets, we do all of this with joy. We get to do all of this with joy. And that universalist joy, friends, that is what can save us. Dear ones, whatever else may be happening, we get to live this life. Hard as it may be, and it is for sure hard sometimes. We get to live this life. It could be otherwise. Let us be joyful.
about the tasks at hand. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text First Univ, that's F I R S T U N I V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.